Hey, hey, I'm Julia, the owner of Julia K Design, which is a small business specializing in wedding invitation design and calligraphy. If you're an aspiring small business owner, a fellow wedding creative, or just looking for some overall inspiration and insight, Julia's creative business guidebook will bring light to all of the challenges I've faced, the lessons I've learned, and the success I've earned. I hope you'll tune in every week for a new chapter in your guidebook. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Um, It is the morning of January 8th. It's a Sunday and I have lots of podcast episodes I need to crank out today. I have finished, what? I don't even know what I'm saying. I was listening to podcasts yesterday on my drive home from my parents' house and everybody's sound was so good and I was like I feel like my sound sucks even though I have a nice microphone so I played around with the sound settings today and I'm hoping that my sound is just a little bit better today and if it's not I don't even know what to do so we'll we'll see um hello hi welcome to another episode I I feel like I'm in a goofy mood I feel like I have the sleepy ha-has even though it's like 10 a.m but we're gonna, we're gonna try to pull it together, be composed. I need to obviously give you guys an update, because the past three episodes, there wasn't really any life update, because I recorded them all at one time, and we have had the holidays go by, we've had the new year go by, and, ugh, the holidays were shit, honestly. The holidays sucked. Nick and I had COVID, so we were stuck in Easton, which, if you don't know, his family lives in New York, my family lives in, like, southern central PA, so we were here all by ourselves, and yeah, it was just not ideal, so if you follow me on Instagram, I kind of, like, gave you guys a little bit of an update on, like, how it was going, but not really, and so kind of just, like, give a rundown of things. Nick tested positive first, and I don't even know why, like, he wasn't feeling the best, but for some reason we were like, oh, it's probably the flu. Like there was, there was so much going around during the holidays that for some reason we didn't even think it could be COVID. I don't know why. (laughs) I, I don't know. We're stupid, I guess. But he like started to feel crappy on like, I don't know, the 20th maybe. And on the 22nd, we were supposed to go up to New York to do Christmas with his family. And it was the... I think it was the 21st that he like had texted them and was like yeah just so you know like I'm not feeling that great and they're like okay well can you do a COVID test just to make sure so and we were like whatever just do a COVID test like it's obviously not COVID just do it so you can tell them it's negative and then again I don't know why we were so confident that he wasn't that he didn't have COVID I don't know but so then he took a test the night of the 21st and it like immediately showed up positive and we were like um okay that sucks so at this point he like was feeling kind of shitty but I don't know like he his biggest complaint was back pain and a headache but he also like spent the one day like I think he slept for like eight hours throughout the entire day but So, like, he was really tired and had some, like, aches and pains, but otherwise, like, he, I think when he was, like, up and moving, he felt okay. So, we canceled Christmas with his family, and we started, 
a quarantine, isolation, whatever. And at first it was like kind of fun because I felt totally fine because I wasn't sick yet. And he was like getting like, I don't know, he was kind of feeling okay. So it was kind of fun. And we were like playing board games and watching movies and like whatever. It was fun. And then the 24th, I think it was. So like Christmas Eve. No, maybe. I don't know. I think it was Christmas Eve. I started to feel kind of crappy and I was like, uh, this sucks. So I took a test Christmas Eve and it was positive. And I was supposed to go to my parents' house, like, I don't know, someday, whenever. But when I tested positive on Christmas Eve, I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to go to my parents for Christmas morning. And that was like, at that point, it was not fun anymore. I was pissed off. I was really angry. I was really sad. It was just like not, not a good time. And then Christmas morning came. I like FaceTimed with my parents and my sisters to like watch them open presents at my parents' house. And I like was okay during FaceTime. But then after that, I like got up out of bed and we were going to have like breakfast and stuff. And I felt so, so terrible. And for me, like, I had really, really bad chest pain. And, like, to the point where, like, I couldn't take full breaths without it, like, hurting. And so that, like, sent me into, like, a mini panic attack. And Nick had... (laughs) I'm ridiculous. So Nick... I had this whole thing, like, I wanted French toast for Christmas morning. So luckily by Christmas morning, Nick felt fine. So he got out of bed and was making French toast. And I... He finished the French toast, so I, like, got out of bed and went over to the table to sit down. And as soon as I sat down at the table, like, everything just felt like it was, like, closing in on me. And I felt like I was so, like, it was so stuffy in there. And, like, it was just miserable. And so I, like, I was like, Nick, I can't sit here. So I, like, (laughs) got up and just laid on the kitchen floor. And this, like, goes back to, like, when I was in high school, I used to pass out a lot. And my mom, like, was a nurse, and she said, like, as soon as you start to feel lightheaded, like, lay on your side. But she meant, like, make it to, like, the couch or your bed and then lay down. And I took it as, like, anytime I started to feel lightheaded, I would just immediately lay on the floor on my side, no matter where I was. <laughs> so so I still do that to this day. And so as soon as I started, like, I was sitting at the table, I started to feel lightheaded, so I got up and I just laid on the kitchen floor. And meanwhile, meanwhile Nick's, like, looking at me, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, get up. Like, you're so... <laughs> like he was just not having it and I was like no like you don't understand like I like cannot breathe I'm lightheaded like this is not good so then I like went to open the the door and like during the week of Christmas it was like freezing outside like it was so cold and I like opened the door and I'm like trying to get like a breath of fresh air and I'm just like not I'm just not doing well so then I go into the living room which our apartment is literally like our kitchen and our living room are like attached. Like it's pretty much the same room because it's just a really small apartment, but I go into the living room. So like 10 feet away from Nick and I'm like, Oh, it's so much better in here. Like I feel okay in here. So I'm sitting on the floor and I'm like, can you bring breakfast to the, to like, to me on the floor? And he's like, are you kidding me? Like I, he had the whole table set. He had the French toast sticks. He had like, everything was like set up so nicely. And I'm like, I just can't eat in there. I have to eat on the floor in the living room. So he had to bring the food, all the breakfast to the living room floor. And we sat there and ate the breakfast on the floor. And like, I I could just tell that he wanted to kill me, but it was just not, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. It's just so ridiculous. It was just not a fun time. I felt really, really crappy Christmas morning. Um, but it only lasted for like a couple hours. Like in total, I only felt crappy for like eight hours. And then luckily by like Christmas afternoon, I was able to like get up and do things and make, I wanted to make these like baked brie bites and I was able to do that. And I was able to make the spaghetti and meatballs that I wanted to make for dinner. So like the day turned around, but boy, did Christmas morning start off terrible. Anyways, this is like, I'm like almost 10 minutes in and I'm still talking about this. I'm so sorry. But then um, I continued to test positive for days. Um, Nick tested negative. Nick only had it for like three days and then he was testing negative. Me, on the other hand, tested positive for what seems like forever, and my entire family, like my whole dad's side of the family, which is like 20 of us, had rented a house in central PA for New Year's Eve, so I was like hoping and praying that I was negative by then, and of course I was not, but luckily my family was like, just mask up, because at this point it was like, I had been isolated for 10 days, like I don't, like I don't think I was contagious at all, but so I just luckily my family let me come because that was like my biggest fear I was like I just don't want to miss New Year's Eve because our family does not get together a lot like we all live somewhere different and it's like very shocking if the 20 of us can actually all get together so it was the first time in like five years that we were getting together so I was like please 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 don't let me miss it and I was able to go and I just wore a mask and I was fine nobody got sick, but I was still testing negative or I was still testing every day I was there and it was still positive And I was like, oh my God. And then of course we got home on the second on January 2nd. And as soon as I get home, I took a test and it was negative. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, uh, that's just my luck. Of course that that's just how the year ended and started. And uh, it was fine. It just like, it really, really sucked not being home for the holidays. This was my first Christmas in the 26 years of my life that I wasn't home with my family on Christmas day. And I know like I am very grateful obviously to like, you know, have a healthy family and, you know, have a family to go home to, but it just really sucked like not being able to go home to them. And yeah, it was not fun, but it is what it is. That was my holiday season. I hope you guys all had a much better holiday season than I did. And yeah, now we're like back into it. It's the eighth day of the new year. I have a lot of goals personal and business wise for the new year. I'm feeling good. I'm getting into my routine again after traveling a little bit after the holidays. And yeah, this episode is going to be about business organization and by that I mean like I want to talk about physical space organization so like your physical office space and then also like organizing your inbox and organizing like your clients um Kelsey from Creamery Hill shout out to her if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about she has a rental business in um I think she's in south southern PA I don't know she's somewhere near me in Pennsylvania (laughs) but I know she like will travel to like Philly and also like York and Lancaster County and kind of like all over this area of Pennsylvania anyways she had asked me about inbox organization and then she's like you should do a podcast episode on it and I was like okay great um but I can't talk about emails and inbox for like an entire 30 minutes. So I decided it would be a good opportunity to talk about like organization in general. So that's what this episode's going to be about. And now that we're over 10 minutes in, let's do it. Hold on, I uh, just got a message on my website that I have to attend to immediately because it's the little chat box thingy and I don't like to keep people waiting, so BRB.
she was asking about ordering from the UK. I like shockingly get a ton of inquiries of people that are in different countries. It's so fun. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, can I order from your invitation shop from a different country? The answer is yes. People are so annoying. (laughs) I just hopped on Instagram and I had somebody comment on my reel. Far too much information on that circle for me. Okay, thank you for your unnecessary, useless information and feedback. Sorry, was that harsh? It's just like, why do you, why do you feel the need to tell me that? I don't care what, it's not, they're not your invitation, so it doesn't matter. Anyways, where was I? Um, Okay, so diving into the organization, I'm going to start with physical space. So my biggest thing about the physical, my physical office space is having zones. Right now it's a little tricky because my office is so small. It's tricky to have like an actual zone for everything, but I feel like I do a pretty good job of it. And I obviously am always like moving things around to find out what works best, but the different zones are meant to be like different areas for where you do different tasks. Just to like give you a rundown of like the zones that I have in my office right now, I have my desk, a cutting zone, client work zone. Oh, I did cutting zone twice. Um, (laughs) oh, well, I guess I have two cutting zones, just different types of cutting, but printing zone and a shipping zone. Starting with my desk zone, this is obviously like my desk. It's where I do my computer work mostly, but I also use it when I need to do assembly, such as like adhering envelope liners or creating wax seals or folding vellum wraps, calligraphy, whatever. This is literally, it's the only area in my office where I have a chair, so anything that I need to do sitting, I do at my desk. That being said, it also is a desk that can be moved up, like it can be moved to a standing desk. So any other tasks that I need, like a large desk space for where I'm standing, I will also do that at my desk. My desk itself has like a lot of different uses, but the majority of it is just computer work and yeah, using it as a desk. (laughs) Then the first cutting zone that I have is for my die cutting machine and all of my die cuts. So it's an organizational unit that is like standing height so that I can easily and comfortably use the machine when I am die cutting. I used to store my machine in a cabinet and then I would have to take it out every time I needed to use it, which like it's really not, it's not like a heavy or a big machine. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but the busier I get, the more and more I have to do die cutting. And so it was just, it didn't make sense to keep putting it away and pulling it out. So now I just leave it out on top of this organizational unit and it's just super helpful to have it out and to have all the pieces for it just right where I can reach them. And yeah, it's just become my own little die cutting zone. The next zone that I have is for client work. So this is where I store all of my client work that is currently in production. So each client that is in production has their own box, which houses their invitations, their liners, their envelopes, um, wax seals, and you know anything else that their invitation suite features. Their entire project stays there while I'm finishing their production. So once I get their invitations back from the print company, I will create their box or if I have like their envelopes before I have their printed invitations I'll start their box then whatever but I put everything into this box so that their all of their stuff is in one place and I can make sure that I have like their envelopes accounted for 
I also will move their production sheet from my desk to their box. So the production sheets that are on my desk are just for clients that are currently in print. And then once I receive them back from the print company, they get moved to production. The client work zone is literally just where I store client work that is currently in production. The organizational, the organizational unit that I use has nine sections. However, three of them I use for just basic organization of other things. So I have six units for client work. When I get into like super busy season, I have usually more than six clients. So I need to get kind of creative with where I store their invitations. But for the most part, this area works for me. I just know that like when I am able to, I will need to expand it to be a little bit bigger. The second cutting zone that I have is where my paper cutter sits. I literally just established this zone yesterday because I finally had Christmas with my parents and they gifted me a paper cutter and I am so excited. I'll leave the link for the paper cutter in the episode description because it is like super heavy duty. It can cut, I don't even know, like a hundred pages at once and oh, I'm just so excited about it. Um, but anyways, it is very large and heavy and bulky. So I knew that I needed a place where I could just leave it, leave it out. I never have to move it. And so I pretty much moved. I had this like, I don't know, this wooden cabinet that I got off Facebook marketplace that used to have like my shipping stuff on it, but I've kind of been using my, or I've kind of changed my shipping zone. So I figured this would be a good place to put the paper cutter. And yeah, now I just have two cutting zones, I guess you could say. The shipping zone, since I mentioned that, I'll just move right into it. I used to have a more established shipping zone, but now, like I said, that's where I keep my paper cutter. So I've kind of transitioned my shipping zone to be something that I do also at my desk, just because my desk can be rolled up to a standing position anytime I'm shipping something or packing an order, I like to be standing. I also need a large space to cut the glassine paper that I use to wrap everything in. So my desk just works best. Obviously when I have a bigger space, I will need and I will want a more established shipping zone, but that's just not what I have right now. So my desk will have to do. And then the last zone that I really have in my office is the printing zone. And it is just my, the area where my printer and paper lives. Truthfully, not all of my paper is right by the printer, but I just, that's just how it's laid out. But I still like to consider this a zone because why the hell not? So yeah, those are the zones that I have in my office. I just love having zones. I don't remember where I, like who told me about zones or where I heard it first, but um, I implemented zones like maybe a year or so ago and it has just been so lovely. I've also found that like just having a place for everything truly helps so much. And if there's something, if there's a task that like you hate doing because of the like, because of the process of setting it up or getting it out of storage or whatever, find a way to make it more enjoyable. So for example, my Cricut machine used to be like tucked away in my closet, like under a bunch of different totes. So it would be such a pain in the ass when I would have to take the Cricut out. Even though I only use my Cricut like three times a month probably, I would still like absolutely dread the day that I would have to take that Cricut out last time I was like reorganizing my office a little bit, I realized like I need to find a place for my Cricut to live where I can easily grab it and it won't be such a headache to use. So now I have a, I use, or I keep my Cricut on my bookshelf. It's just there. So when I, when I need to use it, I can easily just pull it out and it's just like way more enjoyable. So I know it sounds silly, but it truly does just like make the 
tasks that you hate doing much more enjoyable so if there's anything that you can think of that like you just honestly dread because of how difficult it is to get out or difficult to set up try to think of a way that you can make that easier on yourself so that it is more enjoyable when you have to do that task the other thing that i I'm starting to realize is wall storage is so underrated and so helpful um, especially if you're in a small space like I am I have literally no floor space anymore in my office unless it's under my desk or in the middle of the room like every square inch of floor space is used up so this year I've really started to implement wall storage I got a pegboard from Ikea that is absolutely amazing and like the best thing that happened to my office um, but other than that just like shelves using wall space is so underrated. I have a shelf next to my desk that has my label printer on it, envelopes, tape, markers, like miscellaneous things. And then I have, like I said, the pegboard. I have a cork board with miscellaneous notes. I have a shelf that has um, envelopes on it. Like any shelf that you can use, use it because it is such a blessing. Anyways, Oh, last tip about or about physical space is keeping your desk as empty as possible. Don't use your desk as, a, as storage except for like necessary desk things like pencils and candles. <laughs> Seriously, keep it as empty as you can. I used to like really keep my desk like jam-packed with stuff and then when I would have to do things like use my desk as like the shipping area, I'd have to move all the stuff off of it and it was just like a pain in the ass and I also like if my desk gets too cluttered, it stresses me out and just like makes me angry. <laughs> Eliminating the things on my desk has removed anger from my life, so I recommend that you do that also. Anyways, that is my physical space information and tips and tricks. Moving on to the email organization. Email organization is a godsend and a lifesaver. If you feel stressed out, when you open your inbox and it's just like entirely overwhelming, maybe give this method a try. I know this is not like groundbreaking and a lot of people do this. So, you know, don't think that I like am some genius because this is just probably what everybody does and you probably already do it anyways, but this is what I do. So I'm gonna share it in case it's helpful. Um, I use my inbox essentially as a to-do list. So when I open my inbox, everything that's in my inbox are things that I need to attend to and that I haven't, I might have opened them, but then I mark them as unread if I don't, like, attend to them right away. So, it is really my to-do list, and having a folder in your inbox, or not in your inbox, but in your email, for everything and every client is absolutely necessary. So, when I... So, say I get an email from a Dubsado saying that so-and-so has completed their questionnaire, I will leave it unread until I'm going to make the edits and update their proof. At that point, I'll open the email and then when I'm done with it, I'll move the email to their specific client folder. When you attend to an email, you will move it to the designated folder. So obviously, like I have, like I said, folders for every client. I have folders for taxes. I have just a general folder that I call like Julia K Design um, and that's just where I put like miscellaneous stuff that other like doesn't have a place otherwise. I have a sales tax folder, I have my like printing company folder, I have an inquiries folder, an orders folder, like just literally a folder for absolutely everything so that your inbox only has things that you still need to attend to. This just like it honestly is just amazing because when you get reach the point where you have like no emails in your inbox or you have like you know five emails or like a really small amount it is the best feeling in the world <laughs> honestly 
essentially your inbox is only going to house the emails that you still need to acknowledge, respond to, etc. Highly recommend doing it this way. It's just like it has kept me so organized and yeah, it's just it's just super helpful to not feel overwhelmed by your email inbox. The final form of organization that I want to talk about is client organization, which I know I have talked about before on the podcast, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. The main things that I use for client organization, like computer program-wise, are Trello and Dubsado. I will leave links to both of those in my episode description. Trello is essentially task management and Dubsado is client management. So Dubsado houses all of my clients, all of their contracts, invoices, that's how they pay me, proposals, everything, digital proofs is through Dubsado. But then Trello is each client has a folder and within that folder is their to-do list and kind of like an update at where we're at with their project. So those are the two big things I use computer-wise. And then in regards to other ways that I keep myself organized and my clients organized. I have a whiteboard, which I have mentioned in previous episodes. I just started doing this process um, recently, but it is working really, really well. So I have each day of the week on my whiteboard and I go through and add client names to each day that I need to work on their work. So for example, Mondays are client work and emails. Tuesdays are production and printing days. So on Monday, I will go into my inbox. Like I said, my inbox is my to-do list. I'll start at the bottom because those are the clients that have responded, you know, the latest, so I, or not the latest, I guess the earliest. So I want to start with them first. And I just write down all their names in order under Monday. And then Tuesday is production and printing. So I will write down again the client's names that I need to do production for on that day. I really, really love this whiteboard system. It's just like, it's so nice to go in, write all the names down at the beginning of the day. And then as I go erase them, mm, best feeling ever. So that is just something that I do. And then, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, having a separate box for each invitation suite and client as I get them back from the printer is super, super helpful. I don't want to like have their invitations in one box and then their envelopes in another box and then their envelope liners and like that would just get way too cluttered and messy. So having it all in one space is super helpful. Again, I mentioned the production sheets that I moved from my desk to my client's folder. That's just like something that, you know, helps me and whatever. If you don't use production sheets, then that probably doesn't even need to be done. But if you don't use production sheets, I also recommend that you start using production sheets. And yeah, speaking of production sheets, I do have, um, I do share my production sheet template with anybody that subscribes to my Instagram. So if you haven't heard about it, Instagram rolled out this new subscription feature. So you can subscribe to my Instagram profile and I will grant you access to my subscribers portal, which literally houses all different sorts of educational resources. Instagram subscription right now is the only form of education that I offer. So I get a lot of people that will reach out and ask about if I have any courses or offerings and the only educational offering that I have right now is through my Instagram subscription. So if you want to subscribe, it is $4.99 a month and you can cancel at any time. So it is very affordable. And if you feel like it's not beneficial, which I think you will be pleasantly surprised at how beneficial it is, you can unsubscribe. So I am going to leave a bunch of links in my episode description of different things that I talked about during this episode so that you can utilize them. Otherwise, that is all I have for business organization. 
If you have zones in your office space, I would love to nerd out with you and hear about them. So shoot me a DM or whatever and let me know what your office zones are. Otherwise, I will talk to you guys next week. Um, What is next week's episode? Let's see. Next week's episode is what I learned in 2022. I cannot wait for that episode. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about what I learned business-wise in 2022, and I'm going to get really raw and honest with you guys because as much as there were a lot of highs in 2022 business-wise, there were also a lot of lows, so I'm excited to kind of dive into that. That will be like the last reflection episode, or the last like 2022 reflection episode, and then we're putting 2022 behind us. We will talk next week when I am back. Peace and blessings. Love y'all. Toodaloo. Bye. Cheers to finishing up another chapter in Julia's creative business guidebook. I hope you learned something new and will tune in next week for our new chapter. Until then, take care of yourself, do things that inspire you, and never stop creating. If you have any questions about anything I talked about during this episode, please refer to the link in the episode description to ask your question. All questions will be answered at the end of each unit.